Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 98. Hey, Richers, I am excited. This is almost our 100th episode. And before jumping to today's issue, I want to thank you for being here with me. I wouldn't reach 100 episodes without you. So thank you, each one of you. I invite you to go to the richomiss.com homepage and check whether one or more of the free guides can help you. You'll find there are guides about how to choose your best name and logo, how to build your marketing and sales formation for your entrepreneurial business, or how to create your go-to-market strategy. So go check it out. You might find something for you there. Today's issue is, once more, why do entrepreneurs fail? My conclusions after almost 100 podcasting episodes. We're about to reach 100 episodes of the Rich or Miss podcast, and I can't help but feel a bit sentimental about it. I want to discuss why I started this podcast and address the question, did I achieve at least some of the main objectives that brought me to launch this podcast almost two years ago, March 2017, to be exact. I won't tell the whole story now, just the main facts. In January 2008, after 21 years of executive marketing positions in leading multinational and local brands, I founded a company aiming to help entrepreneurs and startup founders become successful by winning market category leadership using the right marketing and sales approach. That was the basic idea. Shortly after I left my position working with one of the leading and most successful brands in the world at that time, I received an offer to join a new VC that would focus on supporting entrepreneurs not only with money, but also with the needed basics of marketing and sales. The times were different back then. It was almost only technological young people who founded their own entrepreneurship while the common perception was that they are all going to become billionaires someday soon. Today, almost everyone becomes an entrepreneur, and around 90 to 95% failed to achieve the success they aimed for. I didn't join the VC back then. I found out I don't want to be part of the VC world, but I decided to establish this company. Why do so many entrepreneurs fail? There are several reasons. However, the most common reason, according to a famous research done by CB Insights, was there was no market need. 42% of entrepreneurs that their startup fail gave this reason, and this is the first and biggest reason for entrepreneurial failures. And as I have written, from our experience with more than 120 startups and entrepreneurial businesses we worked deeply with about the market strategy, only five companies found that there was no market need for their new venture. 
The issue is that most entrepreneurs are failing to find where their biggest market opportunity is. Where are those that would be the first to adopt their product or service? And they are failing to describe what their new unfamiliar product is or does. That was one of the reasons I started this podcast almost two years ago, interviewing successful entrepreneurs and opinion leaders about what enables them to succeed and what their best advice to other entrepreneurs would be. Today, there are tens of thousands of entrepreneurs listening to our podcast and reading our posts, and I see a lot of confusion and questions about how entrepreneurs can succeed. We will soon launch our new online course for entrepreneurs, guiding them through how to find their biggest market opportunity and how to build their marketing and sales formation. Today, I chose to revisit some of our successful interviewees. Most of them struggled with questions like you are struggling with on their path to success. I believe it will help you to find yours. The first advice is by Justin Hu. Justin was already successful in the space of growth marketing, but discovered that wasn't where his passion was. Once he understood who his customers should be and what they needed, he built his current business. Justin Hu is the co-founder of BlockNuts, a blockchain growth advisory and media group. Justin is a keynote speaker and advisor for over 12 blockchain companies, token and dApps. Prior to founding BlockNuts, Justin has been content creator in the growth marketing space. He has collaborated with the Wall Street Journal, CS, NASA, NASDAQ, and been sponsored by Samsung, Intel, New Balance, and more. Justin Ru, it's a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Thanks again for having me on this uh, podcast. Yeah, it's so great that you are here in this podcast. And I just shared with our audience what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you, what are you doing right now? What are you most passionate about? And where are you heading? Definitely. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Hey, everyone. How's it going? My name is Justin Wu. I'm based here in Seattle, Washington, uh, in the United States. And I am the founder of CoinState. And what CoinState is, is a marketing, media, and community brand all in the blockchain space. I've been doing a lot of uh, advisory and marketing for blockchain companies hosting several conferences, as well as online summits as well, to provide value, content, and essentially creating community uh, for kind of the new disruptive uh, decentralized future. And so my background uh, has been heavily in the marketing and growth space. Uh, so previously to blockchain, you know, I was doing a lot of marketing for a lot of startups for the past 10 years and heavily got into the crowdfunding like Kickstarter, Indiegogo uh, space in the past three years. So I really took all my skill sets from what I learned in the past. And I've always been passionate about uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies yeah. uh, since 2011-12 when I got into Bitcoin early on. And so I just really went all in on for the past year. And uh, yeah, it's been amazing so far. I mean, we're continuing to um, kind of launch uh, some big events around um, around the globe right now, you know, so we launched a lot of great events uh, in Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, Vancouver, Canada. What kind of uh, events are these? Yeah, so so it's, it ranges anywhere from meetups to to have like one one speaker in like a fireside chat 
all the way up uh, to the developer uh, hackathons and meetups, and all the way to like a big two-day, three-day conference. Do you do it with a specific customer or just um, taking ownership of this space of marketing for blockchain? No, so marketing for blockchain is what is our main uh, revenue driver. But when it comes to yeah. these events that we put on, uh, they're more so for providing a lot of value for the community uh, itself in each of the regions uh, that we serve. And we really want to focus on people who are actually building and contributing to the space not people who are trying to hype, yeah. hype things up. Uh, because, okay. Yeah, because I think that what we saw early on with a lot of events out there, especially in the blockchain and crypto space, is that everybody's trying to charge $500, $800, $2,000 a ticket. Our events only charge oh. uh, about $150 to $300, um, which is like at least half or like eight to 10 times cheaper than um, some, of, some of the other events out there. Uh, it's not that we're, you know, we want to cover costs and, and a little bit for extra growth and marketing, uh, of course. Sure. Um, but our goal is really not to create that super high barrier of entry uh, for people in the space um, that want to learn uh, more about what's going on, especially in the blockchain and cryptocurrency uh, areas. Okay. And then we also make it like for students, we only charge like $50 as well, too. So our, our goal is really to just like foster communities in each of these areas. Um, if it's a conference, then if it's a meetup, usually it's uh, usually it's for free. Uh, as well. So there's a providing like different access and education to people um, at different levels. This uh, podcast is all about customer focus and customer approach, yep. which you are doing and you've made some kind of a shift. And I want to ask you, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur in any field that listen to us right now regarding customer focus, marketing and sales? The best one advice. Yeah, the best one of advice that I have is, is to really focus on the customer's point of view and the value and just value. What I mean by that is when I hosted this conference, uh, for example, um, this is the first time I hosted an event that had 800 yeah. people. And I had to think about it. Do I, it's like, do I want to make profit on a short term uh, by trying to charge as much as possible to my ticket, uh, ticket people, uh, I guess my attendees? Um, that could be short-term thinking, um, but instead it's like, okay, well, what are the problems in the space from a consumer standpoint um, to these conferences and what do they really want? They want high-level content, advanced content. Sure. They don't want it too expensive because it's, it's, it's just, it, it pushes a lot of people away and they're not really going to get that much money value back anyways, usually. And, uh, you know, if you, and then you just want to go out and build community and provide that value for uh, those attendees. How was it? How was the event? What were the conclusions? What they can learn from you? For us, thinking about the value of a customer first and stop thinking about short-term thinking of how to try to monetize and squeeze every single dollar. Sure. And go, and go beyond that too. Sure. And was it a success? Yeah, no, definitely was a success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were very profitable still. Whoa. Because um, again, like, you know, a lot of those other events that were within the region that try to Uh, copy what we did and they tried to charge $800 a ticket. They only had like a hundred, barely 150 attendees. And so that's cool. But, um, but we pulled off 800 and we charged uh, $150 a ticket. Right. So uh, it just goes to show that, you know, and it depends on the goal, right? If you want a small event and you want to charge a lot, maybe like that's a good success goal for them. For us, we're not caring so much that we're not, uh, we're not really like an event company. Um, all our money comes more on the back end. Sure. 
you're like educators. Yeah. You're trying to build something new in the world. And also too, just like if we provide value, then we will, in the long-term game, we'll get value back. And we get value back through the relationships that we do build. Um, through the speakers, sure. through the attendees and beyond. And because of the event that we created, there's a lot of new relationships that happen through our event and people attribute those re uh, relationships to us. And we, we get those benefits in the three months, six months uh, and beyond um, just through like uh, potential clients, leads and deals because we help kind of have people come in together and give them that value. So actually, the best advice will be to really know what your customers wants and needs, right? And then give it, give it to them and over-deliver, I'd say. Over-deliver, I love that. Yeah, provide them so much more value than that they feel so good of what they paid for. If you think about it, then, that's, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal Covington is a unique lady that, like many other entrepreneurs, started to build something she needed for herself. We find this is quite common. The challenge is to take it further. Crystal found a way to do it and she shared it with you here. Crystal Covington is a CEO and founder of Women of Denver, a social enterprise association that helps professional women develop their business skills, build confidence, and earn their worth as business leaders. The organization launched in 2014 and has hundreds of active members. Crystal has presented a TEDx talk, contributes to Forbes, and has been featured in numerous media outlets, including the Denver Business Journal. Crystal Covington, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hey there. So glad to be here talking with you today. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. And I just shared with our audience what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? What I'm most passionate about is the membership organization that I lead called Women of Denver. And I started it and I remember when I first started it, I literally called it just a passion project because I wasn't willing to call it a business um, for a very long time. Oh. And... It's something that really is close to my heart and that I enjoy deeply. So tell me about it a bit. What is this women membership? How did it start? Tell me everything. It started, um, so I moved to Denver, Colorado and was inspired to create a network for myself because I was lonely. I needed some connections and I wanted them to be the right kind of people, people that were passionate, that were career driven, and that were open and wanted to create really close, authentic relationships. So I was able to build that for myself and then figured out um, really quickly that there was a need for other people to have that and um, more people wanted to get involved. So we started getting bigger and bigger until eventually I turned it into a fully fledged association, which means that We have membership dues and we have regular events on a schedule and a program and a mission and all of that. So we turned it into something um, very organized and have been growing it ever since. And so now we're one of the most well-known women's organizations in the city that I'm in and have a lot of opportunities coming towards us and have started things like our magazine where we really share women's voices and talk about things that are going on in the community and highlight women that are doing impactful things. And it's just become a really amazing platform for women. And um, I'm really excited to see it continue to grow. 
And does it involve any physical meetings or only uh, online? We're physical meetings. We have physical meetings and then we have an online community as well, which we'll be expanding to, to things like our, an app that's going to be coming out. But um, I really believe in physical meetings. And even when we do have online meetings, we try to create a networking component. So you know how you can have those meeting softwares where everybody has a little bubble with their face in it? Yeah. We'll do that. So you can have a conversation. So we'll ask talking questions and ask people to respond to them so they can still get to meet each other online, even if you can't be in person. And actually, you need to live in Denver in order to be a part of this group? Um, at least in the United States. <laughs> we have, <laughs> oh, we have, okay. We have members um, that are in... other states that come and visit once in a while and they join so that they can be here. Otherwise, anybody can join our um, Facebook group. And then eventually when we have the app, there'll be a lot of great resources for people, even if they aren't local. Hmm. And where are you heading? What do you plan for this fantastic community that you created at the future? The future is so bright. I just really see... So much more as far as in involvement of more um, local community leaders and having even more amazing stories in the magazine. And then we're coming out with an app that's really going to make it easier and, um, you know, easier for women to share resources with one another and connect and build meaningful connections and get access to the things that they want. There'll even be a jobs app there um, for people to be able to share job opportunities. Just I'm curious, what did you think you're going to do before what you do you did before this community because you didn't plan on building it, isn't it? I did not plan on this, and to be honest, I'm an introvert, which is really amusing to people that I'm shy uh quiet person um that really likes to spend time alone, but even somebody that prefers to be on their own needs time with. people and especially the right kind of people in a, a community setting. I originally, when I started Women of Denver, I was working a full-time job in communications oh. and I've been in corporate communications for a long time. I didn't leave my job until August of last year. Oh. And I just, so I'm just recently becoming a full-time entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for many years, but always still had a full-time job. And this is the first time that I just let go and said, "You know what this is this is my life now, and just you know became full time and so I do that, and then I also still run my p r business as oh. well, so I have the women of Denver, which is continuing to grow, and also run a p r firm as well and have several clients through there as well and Uh, it's not your customers because it's a community, but what are the characters or what can you say about these ladies? What is special about them? What characters do they have? Who are they? What's really special about them is that, so there's, there's always those, I've been to those dry communities where I don't even think it's a community. It's a networking group. Where there's just people that are there to get business and trade business cards, and they don't really care about each other. They're just there to get what they can get from people. And the people that I attract there um, at Women of Denver are people that want community 
that yes, they need to grow their businesses and yes, they need things for themselves, but they're not there for that primarily. They're there to help build relationships, help other people get resources first, and they feel more impact driven. They care about making a difference in the world and in their community more than they care about anything else. And so you kind of find that we're at this intersection of people that care about their own success and they're ambitious, but they care so much about helping others and being, um, having meaning in the world. Hmm, it's so beautiful. And actually you have this perspective because you have been working in corporates and you have your own business and now you have this community I want to ask you, what is your best advice to other entrepreneurs that want to build their businesses? What do you want or what can you share with them regarding, you know, regarding approaching their customers and how to be customer focused? I think the most important thing is to continue to keep your customers in the loop on everything that you plan on. Ask them. what they're actually interested in and do little tests, experiment with things and don't be afraid to fail. When I first launched, and granted, I have, I've had, as I said, several businesses and I failed a few times, um, gone bankrupt through bad decision-making. Oh, we're going to talk about it in a minute. <laughs> This is one of the questions <laughs> and the successes as well. So basically your customers can tell you what they want and you can kind of monitor the things that they tell, both that they tell you and the actions that they're taking and look at those trends to make better business decisions. In the very beginning, I launched with a pre-launch. So I basically, I didn't just say, okay, we're in an association now, let's pay for this. Um, I educated people and I asked them what they wanted. And I said, this is what you told me that you want and this is what I'm creating. Are you with me? Buy a full year membership to let me know that you're with me. And they did. And I had a goal of the number of people I needed to sign up in the beginning in order to choose to move forward. And I got that. And for each change, I always do similar things to try to test it and see how many people sign up and are interested before I start really um, investing in an idea. I admit that I love very much the story of Bruce Van Horn. It's an inspiring story of someone that failed and failed big. It's a story about the ability to pull yourself up step by step and become a bigger success than you could ever dream of. Bruce Van Horn is a best-selling author, speaker, thought leader, transformational life coach, business and leadership coach, marathon runner, and cancer concurrer. Bruce hosts the Life is a Marathon podcast, which has millions of listeners in over 210 countries around the world. Bruce is passionate about sharing his life experiences and respected insight to help people overcome their negative thinking and limiting beliefs and develop a winning mindset. Bruce loves coaching people to become the fullest expression of who they were created to be. He lives in Richmond, Virginia. Bruce Van Horn, what a pleasure to have you here. 
Hi. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for, for giving me the opportunity. It's great having you here. Thank you for coming. I just shared with our listeners what you have done until now. And I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? What I do now, I speak. I am an executive and life coach, a, a business and leadership consultant. I've been doing this for about six years now. I, I realized that all of the experiences that I had had in my life, personal tragedies of my life, I lost everything filing bankruptcy a couple years after my daughter's death. And just on the uh, just before my divorce, I was at a very, very low place in my life to the point where I was actually suicidal. I was driving around my hometown for bridge overpasses to jump off of. I, at that point, I had two boys. Um, it was my, my middle daughter who passed away, but I didn't even like being a dad. I dreaded waking up every morning. I just hated everything about my life at that point. And it was actually through the process of running a marathon. My older brother challenged me. He was a marathon runner. And so he challenged me to run a marathon that year with him. Now, I thought he was crazy. I didn't <laughs> want to do it. But I, I was like, you know what? Why not? And it was actually through the process of running a marathon that I learned so much about myself and what it was that was holding me back in my life. I was at that point in total victim mode. I had a long list of everything that was wrong with my life and things that hadn't gone right in my life. And I had a correspondingly long list of everybody or, or everything that was to blame for those problems. And I, I wasn't on that list. Uh -huh. And what I learned after getting very far into marathon training was that if you aren't successful at training for your own marathon, that's all on you. Personal accountability, personal responsibility is the only way to run a marathon. If you don't do the training, you can't blame somebody else. You can't subcontract it. You know, you can't hire a marketing team to go out and do your marathon training mm -hmm. and then blame them if it doesn't work well. And I realized that the number one problem that I had in my life was a thinking problem. Hmm. I, it was a thinking problem. And I got up every morning and I did my marathon training. And I realized, that first of all, you can't train for a marathon with a negative mindset about whether or not you can do it. You know, if, if you keep waking up every morning and say, oh, I just can't do this. I can't do this. Your body will eventually say, you know what? You're right. We can't. But oh if you God. wake up with a mindset that says, you know what? Not only can I do this, but I'm going to do this. And I know exactly why I'm going to do this. And so it's all about having a big why. And as I had completely transformed my body, I was no longer overweight and out of shape. I was a marathon runner. And I realized that my, my brother very early on said something I thought was absolutely ridiculous. He said, Bruce, the hardest part about running a marathon is making the decision to do it. Now, I thought that was crazy because I thought the hardest part about running a marathon was the actual running part. But he was right, but I misunderstood him. The hardest part about running a marathon is making the decision to do it. But I thought he was talking about a decision that you make once. But this is a decision that you have to make every single day of your life to get up, 
to do the things necessary to become the person that you believe that you're capable of becoming. And once I realized that about how it transformed my body, I started to apply that philosophy to every area of my life. And so my finances started to turn around again after my second bankruptcy. My relationships got better. I started enjoying my life Mm -hmm. and people started to notice that I was no longer a negative, pessimistic, sarcastic person. And they started asking me what was going on in my life. And so I just started telling them and I got invited to be somebody's life coach. He was in sales. And he said, dude, I don't know what it is that you've got, but I want it. And I want to hire you to be my life coach. And I had never even heard of the phrase life coach before. I had heard about consultants and and I knew all about psychologists and counselors and therapy and all of that. But so he told me his idea of a life coach. And I was like, all right, whatever, I'll, I'll do this. And he paid me $20 per session. We met at a Starbucks for coffee once a week. And it just worked really, really well. And I found that that was really my gift was being able to, I, I realized that all of the experiences that I had had in my life between you know being very involved in large businesses, understanding leadership and going through the personal tragedies of my life and coming out on the other side of them, having been better person for having had those experiences really set me up to what I do for a living now, which is is working with people on their mindset, on their businesses, on their visions, helping them, you know, have an endurance mindset, helping them climb the mountains <laughs> of their life, both, both physically and metaphorically. But really, it's about ascending. I, I discovered yoga and I discovered meditation and really getting very clear about your state of consciousness. So sort of how I got to where I am now and and what I do. And so I what I do now is I, I speak. I am an executive and life coach, a, a business and leadership consultant. So I work with businesses pretty much of all sizes, everything from, you know, 10 to 15, 20 employees or a solopreneur all the way up to to large corporations. I, I talk about branding and energy within within businesses and how the the idea that the uh, the biggest enemy of your business is thinking that you have competition <laughs> and that kind of people's world because we're we live in a very competitive culture and when I show up to a business and say you know what you've got to completely forget the word competition. You have to create the the greatest products. You have to create, create the greatest customer experience. And when you are so focused on the act of creation, competition is irrelevant. I agree with you so much. I say it for years and I couldn't agree more. How long have you doing this new way of thinking with people? How long since you've started to be a life coach together I, with your consultancy? Yeah, so I've been doing this for about six years now. I, I took a, an entire year off in 2014. I was, I was diagnosed. I had stage four prostate cancer and the the treatment for that and the surgery for that had a lot of complications 
And so I took almost a year off. I, I maintained uh, just a handful of clients during that time, but I really focused on recovery. I also focused more on my mindset yeah. and focusing. Again, we will always fo- we will always get more of what we focus on. And so it kind of I I had to teach my doctors how to work with me because I don't want I did not allow them to talk to me about cancer or fighting disease. You know, whatever it is that you're fighting will only grow. And so I I had to work with my doctors on talking to me about health and strength. And, you know, I said, don't come in here and talk to me about cancer or or fighting the disease. I, I said, let's talk about strength and getting healthier. Uh, you know, It's like their competitors, isn't it? Exactly. You know, and so my... My, my, my surgeon told me, he, he came to my bedside and he said, Bruce, you know, I know that you love to run marathons. I just have to, as your doctor, I just have to break some bad news to you. I had to do a lot of cutting inside your abdomen, including the muscles that, that are your core strength muscles. And he said, I think we might in about six to seven months be able to get you back to easy jogging. Hmm. And maybe at some point in a year or so, you can start running 5Ks or 10Ks just for fun. But I think the days of your competitive running and certainly the days of your marathon running are over. And I said, well, okay, thank you for your concern. <laughs> you shared it with me from a position of love and just wanting to you know, not set me up for failure. But his agreement with reality was not my agreement with reality. And also... On the one-year anniversary of me coming home from the hospital, about the time he thought I might run my first 10K, I ran the Boston Marathon. And so he's, he was pretty shocked at that and was thought, thought I was pushing too hard. But, but again, it, it's all about you know, what you believe is possible and taking the action to do it and, and completely eliminating negative thinking from your life. Because the only thing that, that holds you back You know, I, I don't know what everybody's spiritual belief is about God or whatever, but if we believe this, there is this all-powerful force in the universe, there are no obstacles. There is nothing that is impossible for this force, for, for God. And I believe that all of us are made from this being and by this being, or there is a part of that divine nature in each of us. And so if we feel like there are obstacles or if we feel... like we're overwhelmed or we're worried or we're anxious we're not tapped into that part of us that is divine and focused on creating and focused on just enjoying life and so I bring all of this to to the corporate world and yeah that, that's kind of what I do hmm. I just wanted to ask you to share with us your best advice for entrepreneurs and about your concepts and beliefs of the way you should actually connect and approach your customers. What is your best advice to our audience regarding customer focus and customer approach? Sure. Well, I, I think obviously, and, and you say it so much in, in just about every one of your episodes, that you really have to put on the shoes of your customer. And, and why would you You know, if you were a customer of your product, why would you want this? How would it benefit you? You know, if, would you buy your own product or service? And really understand 
again, if, if, if you're focused on the competition, you're not focused on your customer. And But if you're focused on, on your customer and solving people's problems, making their lives easier or enhancing their enjoyment of life, that's what you've got to get to. You know, and and the great Zig Ziglar, I I think just about it. Oh, I just saw a video of him. I didn't know him. Friends, I never got to meet Zig. It was always on my bucket list. And I came very close to meeting him just before he passed away. But I'm friends with his son, Tom. But I loved what Zig Ziglar always said about about sales and marketing. And and sometimes sales can have a, a bad reputation. But this, this is, it's one of the reasons I do my podcast. It's one of the reasons I, I have over a half a million Twitter followers is because <laughs> I have a mindset about life that has radically changed my life. And I believe that if more and more people develop my mindset or, or at least approach their lives using the same kind of tools and ideas that enhanced my life, I believe it can add value to their lives. And so what Zig Ziglar said was that if you have a product or a service or even a message that can benefit the life of another human being, you have a moral obligation to tell as many people as possible about your product, service, or message. And then let it be up to them whether or not to buy. So you don't have to use gimmicks and you don't have to ever beg or plead or manipulate. You just present what your product is, how it has enhanced the lives of your life, first of all. That's the other reason I think most people start their own businesses is because they've solved a problem in their own life or discovered how to solve a problem for somebody else, and they want to replicate that process. And I think as long as everybody keeps that in mind, and what happens in a lot of businesses is that you know the, the, the person who starts the business has all of the right energy, has all of the right mindset for why it is they want to start their business, to, to sell their, you know, to make their product, to get their product in the hands of other people, and it could be a service or whatever it is, they start with the right mindset, but then they get caught up and they get distracted mm-hmm. in the actual running of the business, the, the marketing, the accounting, the managing of employees. And, and they get so caught up in the mechanics of running their business and the stress of dealing with personnel that they forget why they started the business to begin with. And so coming back to the basics loving what you do and loving the value that what you do adds to the lives of other people. When you have that energy, that energy goes out. Everything is energy. And so if you've got a mindset of competition and, oh, I've got to, I've got to beat that person to the deal, then you've already lost. So if you're focused on creating, if you're focused on having having a great positive experience with your customers, which is why you started to, the business to begin with, then stay in, stay in that mindset. Wow, I love this advice. It's, it's different in the way you say it, and they love it. But it's the truth. It is. Yeah, I, yeah, I think every entrepreneur I've ever talked to, you know, by the time they get 10 or 12 or, 
you know, 500 employees, they just want to go back to when they were building their product in their garage and loving what they were doing. And, you know, so that's a lot of them forget why they started to begin with. Mark Metry is a fantastically successful entrepreneur. One of the quotes I like most is his advice. You should be very specific in what you do. You should do what you are and you should do what you are the best in doing and really hone in with that. This is something I talk a lot about, not only with entrepreneurs, but also with many young people that consult with me before choosing their college internship or the job they want to start with. I believe that anyone has one or two things they are one of a kind of in every specific period of life. And as an entrepreneur, unless you are choosing to go for the technological innovation you established, I believe the chances you will win big is because you will focus on your best part. The Huffington Post Many founders should adopt Mark Metry's limits-don't-exist mindset. It reminds me of Elon Musk. Mark Metry is the host of iTunes' top chart podcast, Humans 2.0. Mark's show features innovative and talented guests like Jam Summit, Neil Patel, and David Meltzer to educate others, change their lives, and upgrade to the human version 2.0 that is inside each of us. Prior to creating the Humans 2.0 podcast, Mark was the founder and creative director of PPMC, started in 2013, the number one Pixelmon Minecraft server in the world. As creative director, Mark grew the company's website to reach over 10 million users and 10,000 registered premium members. Mark founded and operated Vio Dream, started in December 2016. a growing and innovative virtual and augmented reality marketing and advertising agency based in Boston. Mark is Quero's top writer 2018. Mark Mattery, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hi, I can tell you this is an utmost pleasure and honor to have you or to have me on your show. Yeah. Just... <laughs> That's great. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for coming, and I just shared with my listeners what you've done until now, and I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today, and where are you heading? Yeah, so I can tell you I spend about 80% of my time running my agency ViewDream, which is a growth agency for virtual and augmented reality companies around the world. Oh. Um, what we do is, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. We, um, you know, like the whole marketing world is just so, um, you know, not connected. And every day there's like this new article that says, you know, go follow these LinkedIn ads or go to Pinterest or go to this or go to that. And it's just super confusing. Right. And, you know, with the virtual reality industry, it's even more confusing because your target audience isn't normal people. It's people that, you know, are super interested in buying VR headsets or already have a VR headset. So we help companies connect with those kinds of people more and really grow their business online. And I'd say the other 
part of that is I host a podcast called Humans 2.0, which I like to think of it as a kind of technological self-development podcast. I talk to entrepreneurs, different leaders, impactful people doing some amazing things around the world. And, you know, it's all about upgrading to the next level of the human experience. And I learn a bunch from that. So that's what I primarily do and love doing. Yeah, I must say that I listen to your podcast and I learned a lot as well. And I loved it a lot. Where are you heading? What plans do you have in mind? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think, uh, you know, so as I said, my primary focus is in the virtual reality industry. And, you know, if you take a look at that industry, things are picking up. Um, Facebook bought out this company for $2 billion and they've just released... A few days ago, if you're listening to this on May 4th, which you're not, um, this thing called an Oculus Go, and it's a standalone VR headset for 200 bucks. Oh, and no, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't hear that. No. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, standalone, so you don't need a computer, you don't need a phone. And you know, everyone is thinking that's really the first step towards mainstream adoption. So right now, VR is for early adopters. And people kind of on the fringe. And, you know, my agency is growing and the plan is to continuously grow with that. And then, you know, by 2020, 2022, 2025, you know, whatever the year is that VR and AR will be mainstream. My plan is to head there. And when it does, you know, hit the masses, we'll be there and we'll have already built up that uh, base following experience clientele to really hit that industry hard. And, you know, at the same time with my podcast, uh, I'm really trying to focus on that as well, because I think that mm. is a very good gateway for me. You know, I started the podcast last year in August. I didn't really take it too seriously. I was thinking, you know, the world doesn't need another podcast. Who am I? But, you know, after I started taking it seriously and I put in the reps, I started working on it every single day, talking to really interesting people. Um, you know, it climbed on the top charts on iTunes. I think yesterday under health and self-help, it was like number seven, which is wow. super interesting. So it I'm is. really, really trying to push on that, really focus on that because, you know, I'm, I love learning every single day. And that is a process. That is a system that I've found to really help that. And, you know, if anyone else wants to take a listen and learn as well, they can do that. So You know, I got my basis covered and then I've also got my basis covered in terms of impact and, and influence and, and people hearing good information. That's right. And we will put the link to the podcast on the show notes of this uh, interview, of course, so anybody will be able to listen. I must tell you that it sounds so clever because, first of all, I've been working with a startup doing something with, it was augmented reality, but they are cousins, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, like five or six years ago, we thought it's going to come much, much, much earlier. But everything has mm -hmm. its own rhythm, isn't it? And, uh, and it's so clever of you because it will come. It will be part of our lives for sure. And uh, I just remember, I don't remember who said so. He said, wow, if I just understood what Twitter is going to be, <laughs> that's exactly what you are doing. I think it's beautiful. You know, we are all about customer focus and how to approach your customers because, you know, the money is in our customers' pockets, so we probably should learn how to talk with them. And I want to ask you, what is your best advice 
to any entrepreneur or startup founder or a new small business owner regarding their customer's approach and customer focus, what can you tell them regarding how to treat the customers? Mm. Yeah, this is a great question because I think that, you know, competition these days is very high. And if you're not producing a great product or a great service with great customer support, you're going to get beat and you're going to fail in the world of business. That's just how the world works. So what I really focus on and what my team really tries to focus on is, you know, speaking to a customer or, you know, a potential client with, you know, the utmost respect and applying empathy to understand their situation. Because um, you got to realize that a lot of these people that are running these businesses, you know, whether you're an agency or whether you're a business, a lot of them have had some not so great experiences. That's so right. if you can come in and say, hey, Max or whatever, I understand, you know, what you went through. I understand that two months ago you hired an agency and they took $3,000 from you and you didn't see any results. I understand all of that, and I've personally gone through it too. If you have, you know, don't lie or anything. Sure. Um, and, <laughs> sure. Then, <laughs> and then break down and tell them what you could do and why that is the best possible result for you. And, you know, I can speak on agencies because um, that's, that's really part of the industry that I'm in. Sure. And a lot of them, you know, especially marketing agencies and advertising agencies, they have like this this blanket package um, service in which like it, it's filled with like SEO, press releases, all these different things. And the matter of the fact is, is everyone that is doing research these days sees that on every single website. <laughs> so what you need to do is you need to break that down and go in depth and say why that's different. And one other thing that I would say is you should be really specific in what you do. Love that. So my agency, right, my agency, we do a few things well. And we do those few things well, not because, you know, it's the only thing we know how to do, but it's because we're the best in doing those things. And we have extensive experience in doing those things. And, you know, it, this definitely depends on how big your business is, you know, how much time, how much money you have. But really honing in on that will basically guarantee your success with customers, just constant effort, empathy, respect, doing your own research and, uh, you know, working hard. Hmm. Diana Rosano is my last guest today. Diana left the corporate world to do what she felt is done wrong. And I've chosen her interview and advice because I believe that today, When social media is starting to change and we don't really know where it's heading, it's an opportunity for any entrepreneur that doesn't fully use the social network's opportunity to connect with their potential users to do so. It's free and it's a privilege in terms of exposure and budget no entrepreneur should give up on. Diana Lozano has been in the social media and digital marketing world for over seven years. She is the co-founder of Supremacy Marketing, a boutique social media marketing firm based in New York City who manages the social media presence of clients mainly 
but not only from the hospitality and restaurants markets. Her experience ranges in creating social media strategies and consulting for both B2C and B2B brands to help them stand out and break through digital walls for ongoing success. She blogs at Darielu.com where she provides social media tips, resources, and courses. You can see her work published in Social Media Week, Social Media Today, and Agora Pulse blog. Dariana Lozano, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hi, how are you? How are you? I'm so great. I'm, I'm so happy to talk with you. Great. How is New York today? New York is good. Cold. Very cold. <laughs> wow. I'm now in the UK and it's quite cold as well, I must say. I'm so happy that we are talking and I just shared with our audience what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? Sure. Um, so it's a pleasure to be here on the show. I'm honored that you asked me to talk with you and your audience. Mm. Uh, so I've been in social media marketing for about eight years now. Um, I started off in the corporate world and I went to agencies and I felt that social media was a little bit of an afterthought. You know, people would bring me in last minute into meetings and hmm. just asking for of things and they didn't really understand social media and what I could do and I got a little bit frustrated and I decided <laughs> that I just wanted to do this on my own and work with companies that I wanted to work with and work more one-on-one -on -one with people and really help them understand social media so that it's not the last thing they think about but uh, something that they think about in the beginning when they want to create a campaign or Have a business or a product that they want to market so I started my business about four years ago with my partner and we help entrepreneurs small businesses large businesses we basically help anyone who wants to be on social media as I told you most of our listeners are entrepreneurs and startup founders and I would like to ask you what would be your best advice to them regarding customer focus and the way you should approach your customers? Yeah, so I think you, as an entrepreneur or a small business, you have to be very um, clear about who you are so that you can project to your potential customers or your ideal customer uh, in the right way and that you're speaking to the person that you want to speak to. I know sometimes people will try to talk to everyone But that doesn't always work. So just be clear on who you are and be clear on who your customer is. And it makes the process a lot easier. And that's not the easiest process to go through, figuring out who you want to work with or who your target customer is. But it's, it's worthwhile sitting down with your team, if you have a team, or um, just sitting down with yourself and really thinking about who you are and what the image that you want to project is. Like, what, what do you want people to see you as? And really what makes you stand apart from every other business. There's 10, you know, there's, I live in New York City, so we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of sandwich shops. But you have to think of which one makes, you know, every, every one is a little bit different. So one might do subs really well or, you know, it's just, you just need to find what differentiates you as well. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach... or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye! Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss show. 
the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.